All right, well, um, we've been taking a break from our Matthew series. We've been in Matthew for over a year, and we've taken a break from our Matthew series to do this little series called Battle Ready, because the reality is all of us are going to face battles sooner or later, not military battles uh, but, but personal battles, the battles of the soul, right? We're going to face battles, battles that matter. We're going to face, uh, face personal struggles, financial difficulties, physical challenges. There's going to be things that we face this year, 2024. The reality is we're going to face some battles. How many know it to be true? And, and, and so the point is, the point of this series is, what does God think about that? Does God care about that? Is there any victory available for us as we face the battles that we're going to face this year? And we've been talking about it this year. Over the last three weeks, it's been a great series. And the reality is, yes. Yes, God does care. God, God, God cares about the situation that you're facing. God cares about the difficulty that you're facing. He hasn't just left us to figure it out on our own. He actually cares. Look at what Jesus says. He's like, in the, Jesus says this in John 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have some difficulties. You're going to have some battles. You could probably assume that it is safe to say that you are going to have a battle this year. You've probably already had one this year. But Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. But he says, take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Come on, everybody with strength say, take heart. Take heart. heart. I have overcome the world. I love that, man. Every time I read that, every time I read that as we're in this series, man, it hits me. Because I'm like, think about this. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He hasn't even been there yet. He hasn't even been there yet, but he says, I'm getting ready to go to the cross, and you need to know, take heart, I've already overcome it. Before I even go through this, before I even go through the, dip, the greatest difficulty that anybody could ever go through, being nailed to a cross and having the Father distance from the Father, all of the sin placed on him, and yet he says, I've already overcome it. He's got victory. He already has it, and he's got victory for you today, if you believe it, say, I do. And so we've been looking at this been looking at this guy in the Old Testament to prove it, like just to prove it, because all of the Old Testament stories, they give us a little bit of an insight. They give us a little bit of wisdom into who God is. And we've been looking at this guy named Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, and he finds himself in this place of extraordinary odds. He's facing a battle that's big. I mean, he's got three armies. They're all like ganging up against him. And if they win, he's probably going to die. The people are going to be taken into captivity. It's a bad situation, and he's showing us how to have victory. And so if you've missed this, I really want to encourage you, go online, check this out, because, man, this, it walks us through how to experience some very practical ways how to experience victory this year, and we've been talking about it. The first one was pray the way, uh, stay true to the word, and then win with worship. So we looked at this, we have been looking at this over the last few weeks, and it's been powerful, and we were supposed to just do three weeks. How many know we were supposed to just do three weeks? So when the, some of you have been with say, wait, wait, I thought it was three weeks. It's a three-week series, and Scott, you're adding on. What's going on? Bonus series. Bonus, bonus, bonus session today, and extra explosions, because as I looked a little deeper at Jehoshaphat's story, right at the end, we get a little bonus lesson. We get a little bonus lesson. It's, it's really fantastic. And, and so, again, if you, have it, if you missed any of this, go online. It will make much more sense. But he faces this problem. He prays. He calls the people to stay true to the word. They win with worship, and it's powerful. But there's this little add-on that the writer puts at the end of his life. And it's almost just like this, like, hey, by the way, like, hey, I just want to make sure, don't forget, this also happened 
And it has everything to do with maintaining the victory once you have it. So when you pray the way, when you stay true to the word, when you win with worship, you will experience victory. You're going to experience it. But what happens once you get it? What happens once you take the victory? What what happens when you experience it? Because how many of you know, if even if you win, the enemy's not done. How many know you experience a little bit of help? You pray, God comes through for you. The enemy's not like, well, I'm done with them. I have to move on to somebody else. They're all they're all taken care of. They've got their stuff all figured out. How many of you know he's just he's patient? He's patient. He's willing to let you have a W. But he's coming again. So how do you maintain the victory? How how do you hold the hill as it were? Okay, so in a military term, again, just continuing our military vernacular here. If you take the hill, you got to hold the hill. You want to hold the hill. So this, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about holding the hill. If you're taking notes, write that down. Holding the hill. You got to hold the hill. Turn to someone next to you and say, you've got to hold that hill. Come on, tell someone next to you, you've got to hold that hill. You got to hold the hill. And spiritually speaking, there are a lot of ways we can give up the hill that God has given us. God is giving us victory. And there's lots of ways that we can give up the hill. You can just get tired, you get run down, and you're just like, man, I don't even know if it's worth it. I don't even know if serving God's worth it. I don't even know if fighting this battle is worth it anymore. You can lose your passion. You just lose sight of what this whole thing's about. You can yield to temptation. And he comes with a little temptation. All of a sudden, he gets you off track. These things are worth giving our attention to. But for Jehoshaphat, it's something different that trips him up. He gets tripped up by something altogether different. It's greed. Greed. It's greed. And I believe what God wants to teach us today is that greed is one of the hardest things to address, especially for people who are really blessed. It's really hard to address. And how many of you know that's, that's most of us, if not all of us, in this room today? Now, I know you don't feel blessed necessarily. Maybe you might not because you have bills, right? You still have, you've got things to pay for. You've got struggles. But, I mean, compared to the rest of the world, come on, you know we're blessed, right? Like, we're, like, really, really blessed. And Jesus says this about, about people who are blessed. He says, watch this, Luke 12. Watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Come on, everybody say, watch out. With an exclamation point. Look, look at that. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus says, before, and I want to talk about this before you look to Jehoshaphat, but Jesus says, watch out because it's easy to miss that you're doing it, right? Like lying, it's not that hard to, you know when you're lying, right? You know, you're like, uh, it's this, but inside you're like, no, it's not. You know when you're lying, like immorality, like sexual marriage, you know when, you know, you know. Like, it's not like, oh, man, what, I didn't even realize. No, you know what you were doing. But greed is tricky. It's sneaky because it's easy to justify, right? It's easy to justify. And Amazon makes it really, really easy. Come on, right? You're like, you're, you, you, now, you don't even have to move today to act on your greed. Back in the day, I know young people, you don't understand this. You had to go to the mall to buy stuff back in the day. Like you had to go window and you'd be like, oh, I think I want that. Oh, I think I want that. You had to get out of your seat. If you were at home, there was no chance to act on your greed. You would see, you would see commercials 
But you couldn't buy anything right there. You had to leave the house. Today, you just scroll a little bit, right? You just scroll a little bit, and then you're like, I think I want that one. Yeah, I might as well take three of those and just quantity up. And then you purchase it, the thing that you didn't need, and Amazon will be like, you might also like. (laughs) And they're right every single time. (laughs) I'm like, how did you know? You're amazing. Yes, I might. I also have that already, but I think I'll get another one. You just just keep buying. It's like, and it's how many of you ever overspent shopping online? Come on, just raise your hand if you've ever overspent. Come on, and if you if your hand's not raised, you've never shopped online because <laughs> it's easy. It's so easy. Clothes shopping, your closet is already full. It's overflowing. You don't even know all the stuff you have in there. And yet, how, how, how easy is it just to be like, man, I need that. I've, I need that. I've got to have that. Car shopping. You could buy. You, you could buy the base model Amish version, all right? <laughs> or you could get that premium leather full body massage seat option with a premium audio that has daily affirmations for you ready and loaded house shopping you know like i mean the struggle is real right i mean because like you liked your house you're fine you're, you're thankful for your house until you got on instagram and so everybody else's house and then you're looking at instagram and then you're looking at Our house, and you're like, we're moving. You know, like, we're done. It's easy. Or even grocery shopping, it's so bad. Like, you're like, man, I could, I love my toothpaste. My toothpaste is amazing until I see the new and improved 30% more whitening. Who doesn't want 30% whiter teeth? Right? Of course you do. It's only $6 more per tube. I'm in. I'm in. The struggle is real, isn't it, church? And so it's, it's easy to justify, and none of those things are bad. Here's the thing. None of those things are bad. That's the problem. We don't realize it because it's good things. It's just a little bit more good. It's just a little bit more better. So why shouldn't we have it? Greed is really, really challenging, and if we're not careful, greed can cause us to give up the hill of victory God is giving us because instead of enjoying God's blessing, instead of being thankful for God's blessing, instead of reflecting glory back for what he's done for us and then being a conduit of that blessing to others, we find ourselves in a continual state of discontentment and greed. And that's what happens to Jehoshaphat. That's what happens to Jehoshaphat. Look at this. He faces the overwhelming army. He prays. He stays true. He has the victory. And then we pick it up at the end of chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 24. He's going to show us how to hold the hill. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. Here we go. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Okay, if, you, if you're new, this is what happened. They... God set ambushes among the people, among the the enemies, and so the enemies are fighting each other, they're killing each other. It was absolutely unbelievable. All the Israelites had to do is worship. So they go out and they're like, man, 
bodies everywhere. No one had escaped, verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Somebody say jackpot. Jackpot. Again, we talked about this last week. I didn't mention, I didn't read these verses, but we talked about it briefly. Can you imagine going from, oh my goodness, we're about to be devastated, we're about to be taken over, we're about to be completely wiped out, to now you're walking through, it's like, I'm in the money, thank you, I'm in the money. Like, I mean, there is just like, this is incredible. It's best case scenario. In fact, they got, it took them three days. I mean, eventually they're like, I can't carry anymore. I literally can't carry. That's abundance. That's blessed. They had so much stuff. Now then watch, verse uh, 27. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. And the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. I believe, I really believe this is God's will. Ultimately, like heaven is rest on every side it's, a, it's, it's provision, it's a place of peace. This is ultimately where we will be for eternity and God gives us moments of victory here and now. So all Jehoshaphat has to do in this moment is be thankful for it, which he was, and then be content with it, which he was not. Look at this, verse 35. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. Everybody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. Okay, now who's King Ahaziah? New, 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 new character here. He's Ahab and Jezebel's son. Yeah, see, you know. All right, you've been, you've been paying attention. And his ways were wicked, just like mom and dad. And so, now, if you've been paying attention to this story, remember he had already done a bad deal with Ahab earlier on, chapter 18. Almost died because of it. Remember that? Like, go read it if, you, if, if you're new. He almost dies because he makes a bad deal, and yet he makes a bad deal. Look at this, verse 36. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships. After these were built at Ezion-Geber, Eleazar, son of Dodavuhu, and Merishah prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The prophet's like, you should have known better. Remember when you almost died? Like, don't make alliances. You're God's chosen people. Don't go, go, don't making alliances with evil people. And the ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail to trade. So the prophet's like, it's gonna go bad and go bad it did. Why did he do this deal? Well, we have to go to 1 Kings to find the answer. We have to go to 1 Kings. So in Chronicles and Kings, you have, you have records of the history of the people of Israel and Judah. And in, you have to, sometimes you have, to, you have to match the different stories to find all of the meanings. So if you go to 1 Kings chapter 22, you find out why Jehoshaphat would do such a dumb thing. 
Why would he do such a dumb thing, a wicked thing, a terrible thing, and bring destruction? Why would he do it? Look at this, verse 48. Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading ships to sail to Ophir for gold. For gold. Now, in, in chapter 18 of Second Chronicles, we know that Jehoshaphat, he was already wealthy. He already, he personally was wealthy. Now we know that the land is wealthy, right? Because they just went through and took three days to collect all of the plunder. So the land is, did they need the gold? They didn't. But they wanted more. They wanted more. And it's because he didn't have the privilege of hearing from the poet and philosopher, Notorious B.I.G., when he said, more money, more problems. He didn't have the word. He didn't have that word. Now, let me just say this. Nothing wrong with growing your wealth. Nothing wrong with expanding. Nothing wrong with investing. The question is, why? Why? Why matters? If your why is about honoring God with what he's given you, it's about being grateful, it's about blessing others, about building the kingdom of God. So you want to expand your territory so you can bless others? Well, then that's a great why. If your why is so that you can have more, so that you can feel better about yourself, so that you can have more than your brother or your sister or your neighbor, if your why is about just making yourself feel better about yourself, then your why is greedy and your why will take you down bad pathways. It's going to take you down bad pathways. That's what happens to Jehoshaphat. And he gets into this, he gets into a bad partnership. And that's what happens to us. If our why is about just getting more because we want more, because we think we need to have more, because we're not content with what we have, then we'll go into debt. We'll go to, we'll, we'll find ourselves in, in bad decisions. We'll be wasteful. And it will bring disaster upon our kingdom. So this is a really important message. It's a really important little battle-ready thing because we can have the hill, but what do we do? How do we hold the hill? And, there, and, and it, I believe there's two things, two ways that God wants to give us today in order to hold the hill. And it's, it's number one, holding the hill looks like being content. And then holding the hill looks like being generous. It looks like being content. And it looks like being generous. So we're gonna, we're gonna learn today how to, we're gonna learn how to hold the hill. Now, I know as soon as we start talking about money, it just gets a little personal. So here's what I like you to do. Take your wallet out, everybody. Just take your wallet out real quick. Everybody just take your wallet out. I'm taking mine out. Take your, just everybody take your wallet out. Just take it out. Come on, just participate. I will, I'll come, I'll, I'll bring the mic to you. It's not, it'll be embarrassing. All right, now see, here's the wallet. Now just give it to the person next to you, just for a second. Just for a second. Just hand it to the person next to you for a second. Okay. Okay. Now hand it one more person down. One more person down. Just for a second. I promise, just for a second. Okay, we're going to take an offering. Guys, let's bring the, uh, real quick. Let's just take an offering real quick. Hey, isn't it easy giving someone else's money away? 
can feel great. All right, give the wallets back quick before you all freak out. <laughs> We're not gonna take an offering, so everybody relax. Tell two people you gotta hold the hill. Come on, tell two people you've gotta hold the hill. Hold the hill looks like being content. The lie that the enemy wants to feed us is that we need more, and that if we had just a little bit more, we would be happy. In fact, studies show that, that the average American feels that if they had double of their income, they would be happy. Double, now can you just visualize that for a second? If you had double your income, do you think you'd be, you'd be like, yeah, I think that'd be good. I could live off of that until you have double, because it doesn't change. You still want double. It's how it works. John D. Rockefeller, uh, the first billionaire in the United States and one of the richest men on earth at the time, was asked by reporters, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. A billion dollars. Back in the days, like eight, you know, early 1900s, just a little bit more. This is what happens to Jehoshaphat. That's why he's treasure hunting for gold instead of building the kingdom that he was over, that he was responsible for. He could have done, the, he could have done some trading with local, local, business, uh, local countries. He could have built trading ships to build the economy, but it was just, he was just after more money because, because enough wasn't enough. Now check this out. So he does what he shouldn't do because he wasn't satisfied with what God had done. That is good. Write that down because that will preach. In fact, that right there causes us to get into more trouble and to give up more victory than almost anything else. In fact, that's what got us into trouble in the first place, right? The enemy, the enemy, Satan, why? He was an angel. He was in heaven, but you know what he wanted? More. And his more cost him access to God. Adam and Eve, they had the Garden of Eden. Problem free, sin free, clothes free. And yet it wasn't enough, they wanted more. You see it with David, not content with the role that he had and the wife that God had blessed him with. So he wants Bathsheba. He wanted more. Interesting, you look at few leaders, few kings throughout Israel's history were ever truly content with their lot and their calling, all except one, the great king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who, checked this out in Philippians 2, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the one, the one who deserved more didn't grab for more. He was content with what he had. He was satisfied. And it's that example that the apostle Paul looks to when he writes this in Philippians 4. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And how can I do all of this? I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. See, the disease of more says you've got to have more, and that just, it just keeps putting a hole in your heart, and you find yourself giving away the hill of victory that God has given you. He's given you peace. He's given you rest. Enjoy it. Don't lust for more. Check this out. I found, when I saw this, I thought it was so cool. First Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, <laughs> right? You brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. How many know you can't take it with you? But we, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money is not the root of evil. It's the love of money. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. I thought, that's Jehoshaphat. He brought grief upon himself, right? Because he wanted more. He wanted some more. And it looks like us too a lot of times. That's why we have to work at being content. We gotta look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you, you are content and I can be content. Okay, so it looks like content and then it looks like being generous. Holding the hill looks like being generous. We can keep the hill of victory that God has given us when we share it. When we share it. Because when we tap into generosity, we tap into the spirit of God. God is generous. You are, not, you are never being more like God than when you are being generous. Because God created all that is natural, not out of ego, not because he needed anything, but because he wanted to share with us. That's why he created everything. He wanted to just be like, you know what? We've got it so good, we just can't keep it to ourselves. And so we're gonna share it. And that's what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did. He doesn't need anything, but he chooses to share everything. And when we tap into the spirit of generosity, we tap into the spirit of God. So God calls, it's two thoughts. God calls us to have a spirit of generosity. We see this first with Abraham, the father of our faith. When God first calls out to Abraham to begin a relationship with him, he calls him to blessing and generosity. Look at this, Genesis 12. Again, he's the father of the faith. I will make you, God just comes to him and says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Why? Because, just because he chooses Abraham. He says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, and boy, does God keep his end of the bargain. I mean, God blesses Abraham big time. Like, he has so much stuff that, like, Lot has to go away because God takes care, uh, Abraham takes care of Lot, and then Lot gets in trouble, and Abraham bails him out. I mean, the dude is just blessed. Ultimately, obviously, he's talking about that messianic promise. 
where Jesus will come from the line of Abraham and, and he will bless the world. But it's, it speaks to this idea of generosity. And when we step into the spirit of generosity, we are blessed. Look at what Proverbs says. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So when you, when you, when you partner with God, your, your, your world gets bigger, right? I mean, Dr. Seuss understood this. The Grinch. He, he typifies selfishness and greed, and his heart is calloused. But then when he starts giving, his heart, how many times, I can't remember, his, three sizes larger that day when he, when he gives it away? That's Proverbs. Proverbs. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Now, for, like, I want to be honest, like, this is something that I don't want to live out. I have a lot of Gollum in me. Okay, I have a lot of Ebenezer Scrooge in me. But I watched my dad live this out practically. I watched him living out. We would, he, his office was downtown Detroit, and so we would, we would drive down to the city, and on Saturdays I would work with him, and he worked uh, in commercial janitorial. And so we'd go get all the equipment, get the, get the crews ready, and then we'd go out and we'd work, and we'd be cleaning buildings and stuff like that. And inevitably, we'd see somebody who was homeless or or down on their luck who would, who would need money. And so they would come up and say like, hey, how do you know, uh, you know can, can we have some money? And, and very rarely would my dad just give them money, be like, you know, hey, there's Little Caesars just down the street. You wanna go get some food? You wanna get a sandwich? And sometimes they wouldn't, but if they were hungry, like they, they would. And we'd go and we'd go buy them the, the, the sandwich. And so that model over and over again, just generous. And I'm just, I'll watch my dad do this. I'll watch him be generous. And the Lord has blessed him in a, mass, in a massive way. And so I've had to learn how to apply this. Last month, Jen and I went to uh, Dallas and uh, visited some friends. And we, and we spent the night in Fort Worth, downtown Fort Worth. And I went for a little prayer walk in the morning. And, and I was walking around. And, and it quickly, like the neighborhood quickly changed. And I, I realized, like, okay, here, like this quickly changed. And it was, a, a, you could tell it was a poorer part of the town. So I'm walking around and, and, and I'm praying, I'm talking to the Lord, and I see this guy, and he's, he's obviously homeless. He's got all of his stuff in a cart, and he's pushing his cart, and he, he's, he's, go, he's going through trash to find stuff. I want you to know I have never done that. I've never been in that situation. I've never gone through trash to find stuff. And I remember the Spirit of God speaking to me like, you need to give him some money. And I was like, have you ever had that happen? You're like, nah, is this God or <laughs> is this the devil? So I open up. I'm like, I'm, so I'm literally, I got my AirPods in. I'm watching him and he's just like really going. And I was like, Literally, and you know, the golem is like, my, it's my own, my precious. <laughs> so I take out my wallet, and, and this, all I had was a $100 bill. And I was like, that's definitely the devil. I'm sorry. <laughs> True story. 
I'm like, the Lord's like, no, I want you to go, and I want you to tell him that I see him. I want you to tell him that I see him. And I, wa- I took the $100, and I went over to the guy. I said, like, hey, excuse me, I didn't want to sneak up on him, because, um, and he looked at me, he looked back, he's like, yeah, and I was like, hey, I just wanted to give this to you, um, you know, and I want you to know that God says he sees you. And he, he's like, oh, thank you, and he took it, and he's like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if he spoke English, but he, all, he just, he gave me the biggest smile that I've ever seen in my life. And I can tell you, I can tell you this, I will never forget it. I'll never forget it. God wanted me to help him and God wanted to make my world a little larger and larger he made it. I, I felt great because I was partnering with God and I haven't missed a meal. I missed a meal, and God won't let me. So where do we start? He, wants to, he calls us to a spirit of generosity. He calls us to start somewhere. He gives us a start to generosity. God gives us a start to generosity. Where do we start? It's called the tithe. Now, for those of you who are new to church, this may be like a totally new concept. When my parents got saved, it was a totally new concept. But it's just, it's just starting with something. It's taking 10%, giving it back to God. And that seems so hard and so difficult and so different. Um, but let me just show you, it's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. We don't have time to do a whole teaching on this. I just wanna give this to you and have you pray on it. You take it, you pray on it, see what God does. Malachi 3 says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? That's what God's saying to his people. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. The people were holding back from God. And he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Think about this for a moment. If that's true, which I'm, I'm all in on all of the Bible, so I, that's my worldview. So if God says, that's what I want you to do, I'm in. I'm in on it. So he's like, there will not be enough room. If that's true, that's pretty awesome. God's like, test me. Test me. See if I won't take care of you. But then, so there's a blessing, but there's also protection. He also says, I'm gonna help you hold the hill. Watch this, verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. Then all the nations will call you blessed. You'll have rest and peace on every side for you will be a delightful land. So the tithe is where we start. It's where we start with our generosity. And it's just saying, God, I wanna take a step and I wanna, and it may be the most physical communication. So if you look at what we've been talking about, We've talked about prayer. We pray with our mouths. That's week one. Week two was reread the Bible with open hearts. We worship with raised hands, but we trust with money. So here's what God's saying. He's like, you trust me, but do you? Are you all in? Scott, you're just telling us because the church wants more money. Nope. God has taken care of our church since day one. Day one. History lesson for us, we were met in a community center, had nothing, had nothing. 
but we started giving 10% day one and have every year. And I asked Jeremy before service, uh, I was like, hey, like how much have we given like to missions since we started the church? Outreach, outreach and missions. He gave me the number today, over $2 million to outreach and missions. We gave more to outreach and missions last year than our first year budget was. Our first year budget was $267,000. I'll never forget it. That was our first year, everything, all in, everything. We gave over $300,000 just to outreach and missions. That's not including kingdom builders above and beyond giving last year. So y'all are generous. I'm not trying to, I'm not, all I'm trying to do is just say, hey, this is, this is, what God, this, is, this is what allows us to hold the hill. And in your life, and if you're like, Scott, I know, you, I just don't trust you. I think you're just after my money. Then do this, for real. Go to another church for six months. Tithe there, but you gotta go there. You can't come here and tithe there. You gotta go there. As it says in the storehouse. And then, and then see if it works. And then if you don't love that church, then come back. And just trust God. I mean, literally, just try it. Take a step of faith. That's what, that's what this whole month has been. And that's why it was such a beautiful surprise to finish this little passage and be like, oh, man, look at this. Look at this. Jehoshaphat loses the hill because he gets greedy. Now, here's the end. I don't have time to look at the verse. But if you go to the end of his life, he, he learns the lesson. And he gets generous. He gives, he gives gold. He gives stuff. He gives position away to his kids. He's generous. So he ends right because he learns this lesson. May God help us learn this lesson. Here's the other thing. How does all of this thing called Christianity start? It starts with the Messiah being crucified on a hill. How did he hold the hill? By giving his life away in generosity, contentment and generosity. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me all across this place? 